I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday. I always get confused these days. It's your boy, Adam Taylor. I'm joined by your boy, Mr. Will Weir. We're live on Facebook. If you're watching us on Facebook, make sure to leave those little like buttons and to follow the show on any of your podcasting platforms. If you're not watching us on Facebook, then you're listening to us on your Wednesday or Thursday morning, doing whatever it is you do. We've got a good discussion going on. So as everybody knows, on Sundays, we've kind of implemented a format. We're going to be doing something similar for part of a Wednesday show. It's called The Vibe Check. We kind of did a little bit of it with the three-man weave last Friday. Reasons to the, what was it? It was reasons to be happy and then reasons to drink. But we'll get yeah. to reasons <laughs> a little bit later. I think first of all, we'd be remiss not to jump straight into how the Celtics played against Milwaukee. But before we do that, Will, my man, what's going on? Yo, what's going on, Adam? Happy Tuesday to those on Facebook and happy Wednesday to those of you. Or maybe it's a different day. Maybe you're listening to us a day late, but Wednesday or later for those of you on the podcast. What's going on, man? You know, I I tweeted this uh, earlier today. It feels so much better waking up. And for you, I guess, you know, it's the middle of your day by the time you watch the replay of the game. But it it feels a lot better waking up today, you know, with a victory, a defining victory over a defending champion than how we felt all of last week. So I'm going to highly recommend to those in the Celtics brass that are listening that we should do more of last night and less of last week. So you want more of the winning and less of the losing? You know, I've really thought about this, Adam, and I really think that's the better plan. Yes. So, yes, that 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 is my recommendation to the Celtics organization. I feel like you've put a ton of research into this. I feel like you've really got down onto that algebraic equations, and uh, I'm uh, I'm obliged to agree, man. Hey, I man, think we you, need more winning, less losing. They don't. We we don't put out these you know big dollar podcasts for nothing, man. We got to do the research and make sure we know we know uh, what to recommend. I mean, if we're talking about research, let's figure out why they lost in the first place. And no, I'm only joking. That's a doker's <laughs> job. That's a doker's job. And it looks like, you know, um, from all the, con- all the discussions after the game, Udoka really pulled these guys over the coals, locking them in, getting that film room session in. Over 100-plus clips of what went wrong. Yeah, that's kind of brutal, man. That's, that's, that's a little a bit... That's, I mean, that's talk about making your point right there. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's one way to do it, for sure. And these are coaches' film rooms as well, so you're not watching that clip once. Each clip's going to get played six, seven, eight... They're going to run it fast. They're going to run it slow. They're going to annotate on it. They're going to highlight on it. By the time you've seen that one clip, you'll be seeing it in your dreams. And you've done a hundred of those. That's a that's not a film session. That's a complete and utter like cramming session ready for the SATs. Yeah, and I mean the cool part about it was, you know, both Smart and, and Tatum had different quotes that were like, "We needed it. That's what we sh- that's what we had to do." And so, you know, this once again all ties back to part of you know some of the comments that Adoka made when he was hired. And talked about accountability and talked about, you know, he wants accountability, but that the players that he had talked to, you know, early on when he was hired, they wanted to be coached. They wanted to be held accountable. And, you know, we've debated on this show the formats in which it's taken. It feels like maybe at times some of it's played out too much in, you know, in in pressers and in postgame press conferences and whatnot. But it's certainly been prevalent throughout, you know, this this first little over quarter of the season here. And I think it's really I think it's a really positive as we're doing the vibe check here on Tuesday. I think it's a really positive vibe to hear that, you know, that they're going in and, and doing these things and that it's being reciprocated on, you know, on both ends. So 
you know, oh, there you are. I thought we lost you for a second, Adam. Nah, I'm just playing with the views, man. I'm just playing with the views. Nah, look, this was. I was, was going to riff for a second here. I was hoping you would. I was trying to. This is how you get the best out of Will, man. You just make him think you've disappeared. No, for um, I was just trying to see if I could get the solo layout to what layout to work. To be fair, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. Like at the end of the day, you need these two guys to buy you, and you need them to reciprocate the effort level that Udoka's obviously preaching in the uh, in the training sessions, in the film sessions, and they come out. They go up, go up against Milwaukee. They play fast. They play decisive. But really, is it repeatable? Now, that's the biggest question for me, right? Like, if anybody knows what the 0.5 scheme is, it's where every decision is made within half a second and then you act on it. That's what Udoka was preaching at the start. Made of the famous year. by the Spurs, so that, which is where Udoka got his yeah. original coaching chops from. The Spurs and the Phoenix Suns are the two current teams that run it. And to be quite fair, if you look at assists per game, the Spurs and Suns are in the top four right now in the league. So, you know, and then if you look at what the Celtics did against Milwaukee, 31 assists on 43 made baskets, you can see the benefits of playing that way. And I'm assuming that a lot of the film sessions that were offensive-based, not defensive-based, we can get to the defense in a moment, were very much, you held the ball for too long, this is where you should have let go of the ball. You walked into a screen rather than sprinted into a screen, you're going to kill the play because the defender's got time to reset. And we saw a lot of good stuff against Milwaukee, but it you need that, that energy level that you saw, that needs to be, we need to feel confident that that can be repeated. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's amazing how different this team looks when, when they move the basketball. And you had even started to hear it from, from different Celtic players, so there was an acknowledgement of it. For some reason, you know, up until last night, and to your point, I, we have to see it continue. It can't just be, you know, a blip on the screen. You had heard guys like like Dennis Schroeder, who's probably one of the bigger offenders of this, about how he needs to, to go ahead and, and move the basketball. You know, he said that a couple of games ago. I can't remember after after which game it was, but, you know, there was a little bit of self-awareness on this team that that was an issue. Why it took, you know, a hundred play film session berating from from the coaching staff to get to get to the point where they put it into action, I don't know. But, you know, making sure that this is something that, that they repeat will be the biggest challenge for them going forward. Because, you know, before before we hopped on, Adam, you and I were talking about last night being the most predictably unpredictable victory of the season for the Celtics. Because whether it's the good or the bad version of this team, they're consistently inconsistent in both regards. And, you know, there's there's times where we can see them. They can walk into Miami and lay the smackdown on a really good Heat team that was healthy at that time. They can beat the defending champs like they did last night. Or they can roll over and have some really weak efforts like they did on the West Coast against a Paul George and Kawhi leonard list Clippers and a Devin Booker and DeAndre ayton list Phoenix Suns. So, you know, it, it becomes can you take and bottle up what you did last night with Milwaukee. And for now, we're just focusing on the ball movement, keeping the ball moving, hitting the paint, moving the ball side to side, just doing those things that, that you've already acknowledged that you need to do. Can you continue to do that on a consistent basis? That's something this team over the last year and a half plus has not been able to do. And so that's that's the next step. So it's a great win. It's an awesome win. Should feel good about it. But taking that next step is also an important part of this journey. How much do you put down? How much do you put down their performance to Jalen Brown being back? How much of it was the film session, and how much of it was just having your full strength starting five? Yeah, I mean, I'm not great with with percentages, but it's certainly both a part of it. You know, one of the things that I was thinking as I was watching the game, 
clearly you can tell, you know, ha- having Jalen out there, like, let's be real. Anyone that, you know, while Jalen's been out, you know, a lot of that Jalen versus Jason kind of rhetoric has, has come up. Like, you're, if you just don't have Jalen Brown, you're clearly a worse off team. You know, that's, 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 that's very, very easy to define and is, you know, it's just a fact. You know, and so getting him back and having a guy that can actually create gravity, something this team doesn't have a ton of, is guys who are just, just by their mere presence out there, create a certain gravity. Having him back and him playing well and looking a little bit more like himself than he did in that five-game stretch when he first came back, you know, certainly that helps a lot. But I think the film session and and just the style they played, which, which goes somewhat hand-in-hand hand with Jalen Brown coming back, doesn't mean they can't do any form of that just when he's not there. You know, I, I guess it's a 50-50 split. Like I said, I'm not good with the percentages here on, on what it is, but it's a little bit of both, man. And, you know, maybe Jalen coming back was the spark that was needed along so with what, that film session. I had it as a 60-40. 60 Jalen mean. kind of what I was thinking but, in my head, yeah. something like that, yeah. 40 to film session. Now, if you want longevity on this team, if you want long-term success, you need to make that a 70-30 in favor of the film session long-term. Because the point in, like, if you look at the way Phoenix have played over this last week and a half without Devin Booker, they haven't missed a beat, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? San Antonio lose Jakob Pertal early in the season. They're a bad team, but they still stay competitive. Why? Because they continue playing in the system. And using Jalen Brown as an, as an excuse to play poorly, for now, it's fine. I can get that. Like we don't have Jalen, this is why we didn't play well. I'm cool with that for a, for a period of time. But as you continue to play, as you continue to um develop this 0.5 scheme and really start to hone in on the effort level that's required for you to be successful, long term you want it to be that guys are more plug and play. And I think that as negative as what I've personally been about Udoka's um lack of playing time for Neesmith and for Pritchard and stuff. I think if this team can start playing the way they played against Milwaukee consistently, you can start plugging and playing guys a little bit more long-term. And that's why I think at the moment it's 60% Jalen being back, 40% the film session. Personally, I'd like to see that flip so that if you are a star down, which you inevitably will be throughout a season, it's just the way the basketball works, the way any pro sports work, you need guys to be able to step up. But if they're stepping up, they need to know what they're stepping up into. And this was a really good foundational building block. But again, without that consistency, it's just another one of those flashes in the pans, man. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll have to see because, I mean, there's still this, this, this month does not get any easier. You know, obviously the Warriors come in Friday, the Knicks who, who have been struggling, uh, they're on, uh, what, Saturday, and then we go right back to, to the 76ers, and then the Cavs the next week, because the Cavs were 8-2 and two in their last 10, and appear to not be slowing down. That appears to be to be a very real team in Cleveland this year, and you just look throughout the month, like, we're going to find out pretty quickly over these next two to three weeks, and we have a rematch with the Bucks, of course, on on Christmas Day, so that will be interesting to see how they respond to what happened last night. But, you know, bringing this momentum with them throughout the rest of this month is going to be very telling because with Jalen Brown back, to your point, you know, and he, like I said, he looked pretty healthy. We had a little bit of a scare in that first quarter when he went knee-to-knee, I think maybe with Bobby Porter. I can't remember exactly who it was with, you know, but if he's back to looking like who he is, this is where you kind of got to, you know, you kind of got to plant your feet and, and make a stance that this is who our team is going to be. This is how, this is the consistency that we're going to make going forward. So, uh, you know, great, great step last night. Had to bounce back after that horrible, horrible, horrible West Coast trip. And uh, it's step one in a long journey. So we'll see how the rest of the month goes. But uh, I, think it, I think it's a great step one. And Jalen certainly being back helps. 
Yeah, if anyone's watching me on camera and seeing me taking deep breaths, I am warm. I am <laughs> very, very warm. I'm fighting off a cold, so just see, I'm not being fighting rude to work. I'm just, hey, see, look at I'm this, like, man. We're, we're, we're playing injured, but we're still battling through. We're still going to pass dude. the ball back and forth. We're going to keep that ball moving. You're, you know, you're going to give me a nice little quip or a pun. I'm going to try and play off it. I'm going to kick it back to you. You're going to ask me a question. I'll answer. I'll give a question. But see, we got We just got to keep it moving. Got to play we through. Got it going, man. I'm telling you, dude, I am warm, 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 warm. Um, anyway, so where were we? Yep. So we've got to see where they are as a building block. Hang on. Descending Jan, who have we got? We've got our boy John Loyal. Yo, December and January will tell us where we are and if it moves, will be made. Only four games out of the three spot. This is true because a lot of the East has been inconsistent this year. There's East been a crazy. lot of like um trying to predict each day's results and each day's scores is tough at the best yeah. of times. This year it's just been wild. So I'll agree with John there. But what I will say is a lot of it depends on health as well. If you lose Jalen Brown again, or Tatum has to miss a stretch, then December and January doesn't really tell you much other than what level your supporting cast is at. And I think that that's been a problem for Boston for two years now, just not knowing where they are with their with their starting five and what their best lineup is capable of, because they hardly ever have their best lineup available. It was the same last year. It's been the same to begin this season. Different coaches, same issues in terms of effort level. But this was a really good step. I mean... One of my favorite things about this game against Milwaukee, and I'll pull it up because I wrote this stat down. I want to give you the shot profiles. So not where the shots came from, but how open they were on each type mm-hmm. of attempt that they took, all right? So we're going to do it in four categories. Very tightly contested, tightly contested, open and wide open. And this is just for the Milwaukee game. So very tightly contested where a defender is within two feet of the shooter. The Celtics took seven two-point attempts, four, they made four. So they shot 57.1% when tightly contested, very tightly contested. They didn't take a free. If they felt like the defender was too close on them, they didn't shoot. They just passed out. Tightly contested where a defender is within two to four feet of the shooter. So, you know, just, you know, probably just about Get half the hand an up. Length. Hand up yeah. in there. You can feel them. You know what I mean? You can yeah. feel their presence. Close out maybe, something like that, depending on when yeah. you get it off. 23 two-point attempts. They hit 15 of them. 65.2% shooting twos. 26.7% of the team's total two-point field goals were shot when the defender was two to four feet away. Makes sense. You're around the rim. You pull a step back, shoot that midi. A guy's, you know, there's defenders all around you. They took three three-pointers. Again, if they felt like defenders were close enough to contest that shot and make their presence felt, the Celtics didn't really fire away. But when they took three three three-point attempts while tightly contested, they hit two of them. So, you know, they, they converted the tough ones open when a defender is four to six feet away from the shooter. Now, you imagine a normal six-foot-two guy. I've got like a six-foot wingspan. I'm six-two, six-three. My wingspan's like six-one, six-two. So... You're talking my arm length away. That's if, if, as, they're an Adam Taylor away. They're an Adam Taylor away. <laughs> uh, or half an Adam Taylor, depending on if it's the four or the six feet. <laughs> uh, they took seven two-point attempts wide open because, again, it's hard to create that level of separation in the mid-range. They hit four of those, so four out of seven. They took 21 frees, 21 frees while open. They only hit seven of them, 33.3%. But that's Okay. Because wide open, more than six feet away, we're talking oceans of space. We're talking there's no one around you for hours. Mm-hmm. You could sit there, eat your lunch, and still wait for the defender to get to you. They didn't take any two-point attempts like that. Why? Because you don't get that open around the rim <laughs> or in the mid-range. 23 three-pointers, they hit 11 of them. So what I'm getting at here is 
the ball movement, the decision-making, the fact that you've actually got Jalen Brown there that's a capable pull-up shooter, which means you can't all load up on Tatum. Grant Williams was fantastic as well. Yeah. They worked. Like We saw what this Celtics rotation is capable of at when it's close to full strength. Now, if Josh Richardson had been there, that would have been even better for the Celtics. But they're moving the ball and getting good looks. Now, the difference is, Earlier in the year, most of their shots were wide open too. They've been creating good looks all year, apart from that West Coast trip. We're just gonna that's a bit just put that away. Put that in the rear view. It's it's but now they're converting them. You know what I'm saying? And this is where I do think that Brown's one of Brown's biggest kind of um, impacts on the team Mm -hmm. is the fact that teams can't load up on Jason Tatum. That the doubles are rarer because if you double on Tatum, someone's got to move over and take Brown, and then somebody's available for a cut or whatever. And you did see that every time the, the, the books were very conscious about how much effort they loaded onto Tatum because they knew Brian was going to be hanging around somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- that's a perfect breakdown of, of what ball movement can do for this team and what Jalen Brown being back can do. Because you think about if you have him on the court along with Jason Tatum and you have the way that you know Grant Williams has been sniping this year, and to a lesser degree, even Romeo, who's taking some of those Josh Richardson minutes while he's been out. He only went uh, one of four from three last night, but had a couple that went in and out, and his stroke has looked a lot better. So if you're having two or three of those guys on while you're kind of zipping the ball around and you're getting those open looks, you're just getting, you know, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, what can we do to, for this team to make some of these open shots? Well, need some better shooters. And if you're going to be able to have Jalen Brown back, that's another good shooter that you have on the floor. And so that's where Jalen Brown being back combined with the ball movement, which should be something that never leaves, regardless of who's in and out of the lineup. But where having Jalen Brown back makes a massive difference. It's just having another plus shooter that, to your point, brings that gravity, brings another person to either help defend them or help defend Jason Tatum, and then that's going to open up the, the floor for others. And that's what you need, right? And obviously, if you can add a couple more shooters off the bench and you can start plugging them into the system as well, you really put teams in a difficult spot where they don't really know who they're meant to guard, who can you help off of. And I think that's where some of the best teams in the league just have underrated role players that can yeah. hit threes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And Adam, you know, before we transition into, into our vibes, let me, let me ask you something about the defense from last night. Because I do think the defense needs a little bit of credit last night. Specifically, you know, when you're dealing with the Bucks, the, the number one guy you got to deal with is Giannis, right? That's, that, that's numero uno, the guy you got to deal with. And then number two would be Chris Middleton. And in both of those guys, you know, in the Middleton left, I think it was in the third or fourth with a little bit of an injury. But before that, he was, he was two for eight from the field, was not having a great game. Marcus Smart really put the clamps on him. You know, what did you see that the Celtics did against those two guys specifically? Because that's really the the crux of where this Bucks offense runs through. It's Giannis being Giannis and then Middleton being able to kind of create on the perimeter. That's if you can take those away, you saw last night what that can do to to a team of this level. What do you, what would you say the Celtics did most to to kind of provide them with a bit of an imp, imp, impediment? There we go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> um I think like they were pre-rotating quite well. Like um, they weren't overhelping early, but they were providing enough help defense. So like um, the weak side low man would sag in a little bit on a drive, and then once he felt like the danger was there, he'd fully commit to that help defense. They weren't overloading too early, but they weren't leaving themselves on an island too regularly either. Um, Grant Williams was fantastic there. Yeah, uh, that was probably the guy I'd note the most. They were switching a lot on the perimeter, but uh, there was a couple of plays where I felt like. They're switching one through four and they're playing drop at the five. And sometimes I felt like they didn't know 
there wasn't contact on the screen, so they didn't really know whether they should switch that or whether they should stick mm. with the ball handler. And you, you got hit with a couple of open threes because of that. And that's fine because that's, you know, it's just one aspect of your defensive scheme that needs a few fine tweaks. Just go to back, go back to the do. film session, you'll figure it yeah. out. But yeah. <laughs> Um, but I do think that they were they were switching one on the perimeter. They were definitely very comfortable allowing Horford to to guard up towards the perimeter as they have been all year. They were very comfortable allowing Rob to kind of um, just close out on shooters as well, just to alter shots. And then they were building that wall quite consistently. I think that they were overloading the paint at times to build that wall, and then they were scrambling out to the corners whenever mm-hmm. the ball got kicked out. So all in all, I think it was a good game plan. Build a wall, pre-rotate a little bit, not over, and then help when you need to help. Don't overhelp, and make sure that you execute your switch schemes on the perimeter. Yeah, I mean, and this next thing I'm about to say, I will say, it feels dumb to to even say it, but you know, out of and I felt this way last year too, is that with some of the better teams in the East, I've always felt we match up pretty well with the Bucks. You know, just just given the the players that we have available and you know Al having Al and you know if Grant can play the way he did last night which he he played very he hung he hung in there very well with Giannis last night and Al you know I'm certainly not going to call anyone a Giannis stopper but you know Al right there 36 possessions against him last night only 8 points 4 of 7 shooting you know it's that's if you're going to get that if that's all you're getting from Giannis going one on one over 36 possessions against a guy I'll take that every time You don't gotta tell me any more of the details. Just tell me that's 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 what I'm getting for a game. Yes, I'm in. Sign me up for that. And so, you know, then when you think of Middleton and you have guys like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum that you can all throw at him, the, the Bucks are the Bucks are a really interesting matchup for the Celtics team. I felt like last year if we got them in the playoffs, that was the one team if we were hitting our stride, if we could have stayed healthy, maybe we could put a scare into. It feels dumb saying that we that I feel I still feel that way given what the Bucks did in the playoffs last year and they went to a whole other level and having that championship under your belt just just kind of gives you this certain this certain edge that the Celtics may not have. The but, je ne sais quoi. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just a little bit, a little bit extra, you know. And so you know, I definitely at this point in time after one game would not sit here and tell you I think if the Celtics met the Bucks in a playoff series that they would beat them, but I I don't hate the matchup. If we're talking about how the Celtics match up against some of the upper echelon teams in the league, well, I mean Grant Williams is physical; he can deal with banging with Giannis for a while. Al Horford's the same, and his Cantor's the same. Tatum done a good job whenever getting switched on for Giannis. Tatum also done a decent job on Middleton. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown is exceptionally gifted on the perimeter when he locks in. Like you have the pieces there to really trouble. The, the Bucks, you know, Drew Holiday is fantastic, but you've got to get guarded by Marcus Smart. How fantastic are you now? You know what I mean? So the pieces are there. I think they match up really well with the Bucks, and I'm not sure if this is correct, but I'm sure I heard somebody say that the Celtics have won their last four home games against Milwaukee. Yeah, that is correct, actually. Yeah, they talked about that last night. Like, yeah. and, and, we, and we've matched up really well with them over the last couple of years, save for the, the Kyrie Irving season, where, you know, in that playoff series, even if you go back and watch it, uh, myself and our other co-host Greg talk about this all the time. As much of a disaster as that Kyrie Irving season was, and that second round series ended up blowing up on us, the Celtics won the first six quarters of that series. And then at halftime, whatever the heck happened, 
that series flipped. Kyrie started trying to guard Giannis, and you know the the, the rest is all history of, of of how that ended. But you know, even the year before that, the Celtics with with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward down, they took the Bucks to seven games, beat them in seven games. The Celtics have matched up with this team very well over the last three to four years, which has kind of been the rise of Giannis and the rise of the Bucks to to the championship level. So uh, I just think it's an interesting matchup. I think it's one that, you know, I think on, you know, Christmas day, which we still have plenty of other games that we're going to talk about between then and now, I think that's going to be a really fun rematch on Christmas day. And, you know, I'll be happy to have some cocoa and open some presents while I watch it. Yeah. So that game plays at like 7 30 PM my time. So um, I'm expecting the win because that's just prime drinking time. And if I'm giving up the alcohol to watch the game, I expect to be rewarded. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think that lets us talking about alcohol, talking about Christmas Day. I think we can get into the vibe check. It's a vibe. So we've got three things we want to vibe check here. We're going to look at the reasons to be happy about it and the reasons to drink because of it. The first one we're going to go with is uh, Jason Tatum and Dennis Schroeder having a bit of a debate on the sidelines. Started on the court, made its way over to the huddle, continued through the huddle. Apparently it was because Tatum missed um, Schroeder on a, a fast break. Tatum ended up getting stripped. They did keep the ball. It went to a side out. Schroeder wasn't happy. Tatum did like the way Schroeder acted. Why would you be happy about that? Why are you happy? So back to what we said at the beginning of this podcast, where accountability has been a word that's been echoed throughout throughout this season from preseason pressers through, you know, different things that have happened on the court and off the court this season. So to me, this is a vibe of two teammates that feel comfortable enough to hold each other accountable to to the point of what we've been talking about throughout this entire podcast. What made last night feel so different than what we've seen in other parts of the season is the ball movement, is the unselfishness, is being able to kind of look for your teammate. And so to me, you know, I, I think if you're looking at this as from a good vibe perspective, is that, you know, families fight. Families have arguments. And then they make up, and it's all good. You kind of keep it moving. And, and that's what this potentially kind of feels like, you know, because it feels like what we've heard from, you know, the Dennis Schroeder experience from, you know, him interacting with players in the locker room is that he actually really likes this time here. Now, I don't know if that's enough for, you know, if we get to the offseason that it's a, there's a discount or what that looks like. That's, that's too far down the road. But, you know, it feels like there is some, con- some, some unity to this team. And so for me, as a good vibe, it's players holding each other accountable, having kind of a brother-to-brother moment, squashing it, moving forward. It clearly did not slow up the game or change the change the energy in the game. So I think if you're looking at it from a good vibe, that's kind of where you're taking it. Okay, I can agree with that. I'm down with that. That's uh, pretty much what I had down for the good vibes as well. So I'll take the reasons to drink. Yeah. Reasons to drink. You've got your superstar player, your num- your numerate uno, your El Jefe, exactly. arguing, with, arguing with a guy that's here for another six months and then he's gone. Like, if you genuinely want Schroeder to stay around to the end of the season, I'm not in that camp. I'm the quicker he can go, the quicker he can you go. You get out of here. No way, Adam. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> man, I know I've never spoke about this before, but I'm not really a Schroeder fan. Um, seriously, though, like, you're Al Jefe arguing with a guy that's, like, basically a stopgap stop player. The, the one thing I'd kind of be concerned about, and obviously this is just playing devil's advocate here, um, is causing kind of a rift in the locker room. You know, if a few people are like, yeah, I don't really like how Tatum dealt with Schroeder air, uh, you know, you should have waited till after the game to sort this out. Then you could start creating fractures within the locker room that realistically doesn't need to be fractured because the guy that they'd be supporting leaves, hopefully, next month. Yeah. Um, so that would be the reason to drink, just kind of like, oh, there's a potential for cracks to start forming in their, uh, in their team camaraderie. 
Yeah, I mean, I think what, what you and I just said is it's so interesting because it's it's really there's a thin line between what I said versus what you said. You know what I mean? Of there being that healthy relationship of, of healthy confrontation versus, you know, chaotic, unnecessary confrontation that leads to friction. And that line is, is, is super thin. And for, you know, really successful teams, especially ones that maybe aren't, you know, overwhelmingly talented to the point that, you know, that friction doesn't matter because their talent supersedes it. Like being on the right side of that line is super important. So, I mean, you and I are both kind of conjecturing here as to as to which way that it could potentially go. But but I think they're actually very similar and there's not that much of a difference between either way of those, depending on what the reality is. Next vibe check we have, bro. Next one. Grant Williams getting in Bobby Portis's face for Bobby Portis thinking this was a WWE match. <laughs> you take the good one on this one. I'll, I'll I'll do the I'll do the devil's advocate bad side on this. Okay, and then I want to throw in my devil's advocate as well because mine's quite funny. Or at okay. least I find it funny. Uh, good. Grant Williams ain't no punk. Grant Williams is not letting you punk him for no way, no how. Not when your name's Bobby Portis. What you want about Bobby Portis punking Grant Williams? <laughs> No, I think that, you know, the team needs an enforcer. The team needs somebody that's going to hold guys accountable on the opposing team, not let his teammates get pushed around. It used to be Marcus Morris. Uh, Grant Williams is a big, strong dude. He could, he's got that mean mug when he wants to mean mug you. Like, you know he's mean mugging. Um, one of the nicest guys in the world, by all accounts. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't like to be to be on the Grant Williams' wrong side. He looks like he's really strong. Um, and I just like the fact that he, he, didn't take no, he didn't take no business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, that's the reason to be happy the Celtics have an enforcer again. For sure. And, you know, Ime talked about that. You know, Ime even said, you know, he'd, he'd rather, you know, if somebody comes through the lane, like put him on the, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to curse here like he did. I want to save you the time, Adam, having to go in and, and bleep that out, you know. But I, I mean, to that point, that's what, that's what Grant did. Grant's not taking any, you know, any, any gruff from anybody and kind of stuck his nose in there. So for me, what I would say is, you know, from the, you know, <laughs> bad vibe is be careful who you who you put your who you go step into grant williams because bobby portis is about that life you know go ask nicola miritich if if bobby portis is about that life now i'm all for grant you know using that stout grantness you know getting getting up there and you know trying to be that enforcer like like you talked about but this ain't no settlers of Catan. this ain't this ain't this ain't messing around this ain't board games with bobby portis out here like this man uh i i, I forget where i've heard this, but i've heard this story before this man First of all, has, he's got the crazy eyes. You know what I'm talking about? You know that, you know, when you see a guy just on the street, you're like, I ain't messing with that guy. Bobby yeah. Portis has those eyes that you can see from a mile away. So that's that's number one with him. Number two, this dude, to get himself hyped up for games, pretends that players on the other team have talked stuff about his mom and then smacks himself to go ahead and get him in the right state of mind for a game. That ain't the dude you want to be messing with, Grant Williams. I like you, Grant. I like I like you getting that in your mind. I like you getting in that mindset, but just be careful, man, because we need that shooting. We need that shooting. So we just be careful who you step into out here. Yeah, Bobby, the, the guy that hits himself before you get into a fight is never the guy you want to fight. That that's just uh that I think that's common knowledge, right? If he yeah. if he's happy hitting himself, he ain't gonna care that you're hitting him, dude. You need to back <laughs> yeah. away slowly. Uh, I've got a reason to drink, and my reason to drink is. If I was Bobby Portis and I saw an angry Grant Williams come and get me, I'd want to drink too because I, my nerves would be shot. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd be like, yeah, I don't want this smoke, man. But uh, you see, so I think Bobby Portis has the reach advantage, has the height advantage. 
I think Grant Williams is that type that'll just double leg take down you, side control. Oh, he, he's definitely a bring it to the mat type of guy. Yeah. Double leg into side control, into full mount, into choke. It's done. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not advocating for any sort of violence, but it was definitely, um, definitely, I enjoyed seeing it. I enjoyed yeah. seeing someone from the Celtics actually be like, yo, we ain't soft. I don't know why you think we're soft, but we ain't soft. Absolutely. And that's been a narrative, you know, nationally. If you listen to, you know, various podcasts, whether it's, you know, Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo, Zach Lowe, you know, anyone else that you want to name it, they've kind of talked about that. They feel like this team has been a little bit soft over the last couple of years. Uh, and so seeing somebody like Grant kind of puff their chest out and say, that's over, you know, once again, back to bringing it full circle, will that remain consistent to be seen? But it's a start, man. It's a start, and he went up against a, a big dog who's who's down for it. So I, I respect the heck out of it by Grant. Let's uh, let's see let's see if he turns into that that true enforcer going forward. You could see Portis is about that life. Portis turned around fast, dude. He was like, "Yo, yeah. what you say?" He was like, "Don't be talking to me, homie." Yeah. And then, <laughs> he knows his role on that team too. He he know he knows that like you want to come at me, that's fine. I like like I'm the dude that that's gonna go ahead and take this. Like, you're not going to get to Giannis. You're not going to get to anybody else. You want smoke, I'm the dude with the smoke. And then the problem is, if you do get to Giannis, you've got, like, this entire, like, giant. Giannis is the guy that would scare me the most, dude. Just and his brother on the bench, too. His brother's He'd just terrifying. poke you, dude. Giannis's fingers look so strong that he could poke through you. Just, boom, go away. And you just, bro, run. I... I know, obviously, we're a Celtics podcast here, but and even though Giannis, you know, I don't want to say he got shut down, but you know, he, the Celtics defended him well last night. Even with that, bro, he's got he steps twice from pretty much the three point line, like barely a step inside, and still has with those long strides, he's still strong enough to body dudes off him and get layups. Like he had that left handed layup towards the end of the game where it felt like there was three Celtics around him, and I don't I don't know what you can do with that. That's that's just Honestly, one of those things that are like. Yo, hands off. Claps to you, my guy. Claps to you. I nobody can do anything with that. Honestly, you know how last week did you was you on the pod or did you hear the pod where I was talking about going to the gym and counting to ten and why I don't like doing Yeah, yeah, yeah. About about lifting weights, yeah. Yeah. If I had Giannis's workout program, I would not care about lifting to ten. You know what I'm saying? Because Giannis is jacked, dude. If someone said to me, Yo, do this for six to twelve months and you're gonna have Giannis's physique. Cool, dude. Let, let's get let's get started today. How many times do I need to go? He was skinny when he I... came into the league. This man. is what he I'm just, saying, bro. Yeah. And he just like he got jacked, man. Like seriously jacked. I wouldn't mind getting um a little bit of that kind of physique myself. I'd have to buy a whole <laughs> new wardrobe of clothes though. Um, which brings us on to another guy that's uh super. I wouldn't say he's jacked, but he's super super athletic. Yeah, and that'll be Mr. Jalen Brown. Our final vibe check of the week. Jalen Brown returns. Jalen Brown scares us with a very early knee clash, limps back out off the court, returns. But that time between when he had the knee clash and when he returned was a very, very like, uh, oh my God, the dude's just got back literally 20 Not again ago. type moment. Yeah, dude. Um, so vibe check on Jalen Brown's return. Uh, do you want the happy, the good or the bad? Do you want a reason to drink or the reason to smile? I mean, I think you kind of talked about both of them right there in, in the setup a little bit. I you know, I mean, no, no, you're good, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this 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 one's fairly simple, which is why we left it for the last one. You know, the 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 good part about it that makes you want to celebrate is everything we talked about with him being back, the additional offensive weaponry, the spacing. You know, if the ball movement continues to be real, and you know, pre-show when you and I were talking, we we even just talked about how 
it feels like I don't really have any data to, to back this up. I'm not sure if I'd be able to, to search for this, but just him and Jason Tatum directly sharing the basketball back and forth felt like something we don't normally see. Now, maybe Jalen's just been off for a while, but it feels like that's not always part of the offense, even when it's moving. It's not necessarily the two of them playing off each other's pump fakes, drives, kickouts, and where they're directly connecting. Um, but, but that, you know, that's, that's one of those positive vibes of Jalen Brown being back last night. And if he, you know, and he looked to be, like I said earlier, a little bit more athletic, a little bit more spry than he was over those five games where he, where he had come back previously, where he just did not look like he was ready. He looked a lot more ready last night and hopefully that's a good sign going forward. So I think that's, that's the, the very easy, you know, positive vibe from, from the Jalen Brown aspect. Okay, so I've pulled up some data for you real quick. Just uh, Oh, my guy, on the spot. Let's get it. On the fly, man. I just know the websites, right? So last season, we're going to talk just Jalen Brown to Jason Tatum assists. Throughout the entire season last year, Brown assisted, Brown assisted Tatum 53 times. Tatum assisted Brown 28 times. That was all through the regular season last year. It's not that much. Uh, Tatum's biggest assist numbers last season... Let me just double check this. Yeah, he assisted Marcus Smart the most last season. Tatum did with 66 assists. Okay. Interestingly, interestingly, Jalen Brown's number one um, recipient of assists was also Marcus Smart with 83 assists. Oh, wow. in the regular In the regular season last year. If we go to the playoffs, if we go to the play-in first, I know it's not fair because Jalen's... no Jalen, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then we come to this season, and obviously it's a smaller sample size. So let me just update these stats real quick on the fly and let me find the names again. It's fascinating that Marcus was the answer to both of them. I know it's crazy, right? So Brown has only assisted Tatum nine times this season. Mm-hmm. And Tatum has assisted Brown four times this season. So they haven't really worked together as a scoring unit with one facilitating for the other thus far. Yeah. Uh, if we're looking Even with a small sample again, size, that's that's still a small number of assists. If we're looking for these numbers again, Tatum's number one uh, recipient of assists is Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown's number one recipient of assists is yet again Marcus Smart. They're both feeding Marcus Smart more than they're feeding <laughs> each other. I think that's something that needs to change. To be yeah, quite that's some, I think that's something we need to keep an eye on because I think last night it, it felt like there was a, a certain continuity to the two of them, the way that they were playing off each other with, with the pump fakes, the drives, the kickouts. So, uh, you know, I think that's something I felt really good about seeing last night because obviously, at least from what the data is telling us, that's something that has not been prevalent to this point. So maybe yeah. that's something that, that we have to look forward to. And then Dennis Schroeder's number one assist is to Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> I knew you were going to throw something in there. Yeah, nah, he, yeah he, I'll just uh, I'll leave it there. Um, that wraps us up for the vibe check. It wraps us up for the recap. Well, real quick, of course, the of course the the bad vibe would just be cautious of injuries here, which we already talked about, which gave yeah. us a little bit of scare in that in that first quarter. Luckily, just need a knee, but I was I'll be honest, I was I was I was ready to sound the alarm, like oh god, here we go again. But luckily, not the case. Do you know how many times Grant Williams has assisted Marcus Smart this season? Uh, twelve, seventeen. Ah, not too bad. Who else is it? How many times has Al Horford assisted Marcus Smart this season? 17. 23. Fuck. I know. Why is everyone giving Marcus Smart so many assists, bro? <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to know, like, within the shot clock and everything like that, the context of 
how Marcus Smart ends up on on the other side of these assists. But I don't know. Those are fascinating numbers. Definitely something that, that we got to keep an eye on here going forward. I know it's crazy. Okay, everybody, if you've been listening to the show on Facebook, make sure to go follow the show Celtics Blog Podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or any other of those podcasting apps. If you already listened to us on Apple, scroll down, hit that five stars. The five stars turn gold. You smile because it makes a little like shiny thing. I smile, Will smiles, Greg smiles because we see it go extra, an extra number on our reviews. And then go and leave us a nice message. If it's not nice, please don't leave anything because if you don't have anything nice to say, you shouldn't say anything at all. And I haven't used that sign-off in a while. And now Will, as I've been told, the, the Will and Greg, neither of them really like doing this. So now <laughs> we're going to do it consistently. Will is going to tell you what to do if you're not using an Apple device. If you're not using an Apple device and you just like to keep it old school, you like to tell everybody through word of mouth, go use Facebook like our guy John. Go ahead and tell everybody on Twitter. Go ahead and tell your vet. Go ahead and tell your dog walker. Go ahead and tell your pizza guy. Go ahead and tell anybody that you come across in your daily life that you love hanging out on Tuesdays on Facebook with Adam Taylor, Will Weir, Greg Menakis, the three-man weave, a.k.a. Celtics Blog Podcast. Come and follow us. Come join the fun. That was excellent, Well, Considering you don't like it, you're doing fantastic. Ah, thank you, sir. Put me on the spot. You're... See what I mean? I got I to gotta step my game up. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm telling you, it's easier said than done. People watching are like, yeah, I could do that. You know, it's a lot easier when you're watching. <laughs> Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll catch you again on Friday. Again, if you've been on Facebook, make sure to go and follow us on social media and all of the blah, 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 blah. We will catch you all again so- shortly. Peace out. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the majors. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. This ain't everything I am. It's something that I do.